Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning. Um, and uh, welcome to those who are joining us by worship uh, via uh, Facebook Live. And uh, I just want to encourage those of you who are online to greet each other. Um, you, can, you can greet each other like we do down in southern Missouri with a howdy. Um, or you can just say, peace of Christ and good morning. But I invite you all to, uh, to greet each other this morning. And I greet all of us, whether we are here or, or whether we are virtually worshiping, uh, to begin to draw our attention to God and to Christ's presence among us. Let us gather together this morning in expectation and anticipation of experiencing uh, the presence of Christ afresh and anew. Let us come together expecting the Spirit to um, speak to us in the deepest depths of our hearts, continuing to shape us and to transform us so that we might be the people God intended us to be. And so uh, I invite you, if you're at home, to light your Christ candles, to be reminded of Christ's presence. I invite um, all of us uh, to um, hear these words as the uh, choir leads us in singing, Be Thou My Vision. Amen. Let us, uh, let us offer up a word of prayer this morning. Gracious God, we just thank you for gathering us together. We thank you for your presence among us. As we gather in this space, may you indeed uh, calm our minds and focus our minds, our hearts, uh, um, our whole being upon you. May we gather in these spaces um, seeking to experience you afresh and anew. May you pour out your spirit upon us as we, um, as we hear your word as we respond to your word, and as we join together in communion with one another and communion with you. And we ask this in Christ's name. 
And now I'm going to invite you, um, I'm going to invite those who are here to, um, to stand, and we are going to join together in a statement of faith, which um, I, I, I use this, uh, this statement of faith often. It comes from uh, the United uh, Church of Canada, which is also a Wesleyan church, uh, but um, in these days I find myself uh, more and more needing to declare over and over again that we are not alone, that God is with us. And so I invite you to uh, proclaim these words, both uh, whether you're gathered here or whether you're gathered virtually, as we proclaim uh, this statement of faith. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and to serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. And now let us join our voices together as we pray that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
What an appropriate song for this morning. You know, it's easy to trust in God when things are going well. It's a bit more of a challenge for us when uh, things don't go exactly as we would like them to go to trust in God. And yet we are called to continue to trust in God through and in all. And so let that be a reminder for us this day. Let's offer this prayer. Gracious God, um, pour out your spirit upon us. May the words that are shared today be words from your Spirit. May we hear the word of your Scripture and your Spirit speaking to us. And may we not just hear it, Lord, but may we allow it uh, to um, encourage and prod us to respond to your ways and to your words. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, it is good to be back here. Um, Although I have to admit, um, last weekend um, I was holding uh, my five-week-old grandson, and as awesome as you all are, you don't match up. I hope that you're not offended by that. Um, Deb is still there this morning, and uh, she will be back tomorrow, I think. I think she's going to get on the airplane, but I'm not positive. But um, we have been uh, celebrating the uh, new grandson and just uh, to be able to spend time with them and with, and um, uh, to spend time with Lisa and Chris also, my my son and daughter. They were, it was good that they were there also. Um, But um, it's good to know um, that uh, when I am gone, um, that uh, Kobe steps right in and uh, did he not uh, deliver some awesome messages on um, All Saints Day and last week, and as I understand on All Saints Day, um, he had a bit of a challenge with the power being out, Um, and yet when I listened to it um, and participated in worship, I couldn't tell there had been anything going on here, and so it is just awesome uh, to to have Kobe and a staff that are spirit-filled, and so I give thanksgiving um, for that. This morning, um, you know, usually I don't like to talk about Christmas before Thanksgiving, uh, but I find we, uh, about this time of year, and probably for a couple of weeks, we've been asking our kids, what do you need for Christmas? Uh, do you all do that in your families? You know, what do you, what do you need for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? Um, and so um, in, the, in the church calendar, we're really approaching the end of our calendar year. And in a couple of weeks on Advent Sunday, we'll begin the new year, uh, a time when we begin to look forward to uh, Christmas, a time when we begin to look forward to the incarnation of God in the flesh. And so uh, while we may begin to ask um, our family members what they want for Christmas, Um, I think it's a good time for us to begin to ask ourselves, what is it that we are expecting when we celebrate the Incarnation? What is it that we are striving for? 
See, it, it seems to me that in this day and time, it's really important for us to be clear on what our priorities are and what it is that we are striving for so that we don't become distracted. Yes? Um, and so um, I just want us to begin to ask ourselves, what is it that we, that we desire? What is it that we are striving for um, in our lives? Um, we, uh, we were going to take a look at um, Philippians today, and um, we have been studying the book of Acts. We've been through the entire book of Acts And one of the things that stuck out to me at the end of the book of Acts as we got into the last half of the book of Acts is is we saw Paul repeatedly going into communities and um, repeating the cycle of uh, sharing the good news of Christ with the synagogue and with the people in the community and um, over and over again experiencing resistance and pushback as well as the celebration of folks coming to Christ. And I couldn't help but wonder, the more I read that, what is it that motivated Paul to keep going? What is it that motivated Paul uh, to keep moving forward? Well, fortunately, we don't have to speculate because Paul has shared that in many of his letters. And today, I want to read from uh, Philippians. Uh, I'm going to read from chapter 3, but the entire letter of Philippians is a little bit different than most of Paul's letters. Most of Paul's letters, he's writing to a community of faith that he's been at, and he's writing to them to address a particular problem or struggle that they're having. And so uh, the letter really uh, uh, focuses on that issue and what Paul's um, suggestions or recommendations for them, how they should behave to address that, or how they should uh, work to address that issue in a Christ-like fashion. Well, Philippians is a much different letter. Philippians really is this letter of friendship. There doesn't seem to be any problem in Philippi. Uh, Paul is most likely sitting in prison in Rome when he writes this letter, and it really is a letter of friendship to the church at Philippi, a church that he celebrates because of their faithfulness to God, and yet he wants to uh, share with them uh, this message of encouragement uh, to continue forward and to not lose sight of that which is of utmost importance. And so um, I'm going to pick it up in uh, chapter 3, beginning in uh, verse 1. And so uh, hear these words. Uh, So then, my brothers and sisters, be glad in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to repeat the same thing to you that I've been saying, because they will help keep you on track. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the people who do evil things. Watch out for those who insist on circumcision, which is really mutilation. We are the circumcision. We are the ones who serve God, who serve by God's Spirit, and who boast in Christ Jesus. We don't put our confidence in rituals performed on the body. As we hear these first few verses from, uh, from chapter 3, uh, we, we hear Paul warning and, and, and telling the folks he's writing this letter to help them stay on track so that they can focus on the things that are important. He, he once again reminds the church 
uh, that the most important thing is not uh, these um, rituals necessarily. Um, he reminds these Gentile Christians that they do not have to become uh, Jews before they can become followers of Christ. He emphasizes that that is not the most important thing. And he goes on to say, um, as if to say, uh, let me give you an example in my own life, as he continues in uh, verse uh, 4, saying, we don't, we don't have confidence in rituals performed on the body, though I have good reason to have that kind of confidence. If anyone else has reason to put their confidence in physical advantages, I have even more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am from the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews with respect to observing the law. I'm a Pharisee. With respect to devotion to the faith, I have harassed the church. With respect to righteousness under the law, I am blameless. These things were my assets, but I wrote them off as, as a loss for the sake of Christ. But even beyond that, I consider everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have lost everything for him, but what I lost I think of as sewer trash so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. We hear these words of Paul not only telling the church of Philippi that they shouldn't just count on certain rituals or certain practices, but saying he himself of all people who could be confident of his righteousness, of his walking in the ways of God, then he above all should be able to say that. I mean, he says from birth, he was a part of the covenant people. On the eighth day of his life, he was circumcised like he was supposed to be to be a part of the covenant people. And he grew up learning about Torah and learning the Scripture, and he knew Scripture better than anyone else. And not only did he know Scripture, he was a Pharisee, uh, one of those uh, uh, groups in the Jewish tradition that sought to live out Torah to its fullest. And as far as he understood before his experience on the road to Emmaus, he was living out the Torah. He was blameless and righteous according to his understanding of the Scripture and as being a part of the covenant people. And yet, Paul tells the church at Philippi, do not simply bank on knowing the law do not simply bank on being the most knowledgeable. Uh, do not simply bank on what your knowledge is or that you participate in the covenant. In our days, that would be like saying we should not just bank on the time that long ago we were baptized. We should not even bank on the fact that we know Scripture better than anybody else. Paul says the most important thing is to know Christ. Is to know Christ. Not to just know about Christ. Not to just know about God's plan of salvation. And not just to know what happened to Christ on the cross, but to know Christ. 
He says everything else is rubbish. Everything else, and actually the Greek word is a word for cow dung. Everything else is rubbish compared to knowing Christ. Now, of course, Paul believes if we know Christ, we will be Torah followers. But the goal is not to be the Torah follower. The goal is to know Christ and to live in Christ and to live with Christ. And so Paul wants to drive this home as he shares this message with the church at Philippi. And he goes on to say, In Christ, I have a righteousness that is not my own and that does not come from the law, but rather from the faithfulness of Christ. It is the righteousness of God that is based on faith. The righteousness that I have comes from knowing Christ, the power of His resurrection, and the participation in His sufferings. It includes being conformed to His death so that I perhaps may reach the goal of the resurrection from the dead. Indeed, as we, as we hear Paul speaking uh, about knowing Christ, he also says that he knows about the, the sufferings of Christ. It's not just about uh, the proclamation uh, of the triumph of Christ, but it's also understanding that in going through the cross that Christ has demonstrated uh, that His ways are about a cruciform love. In other words, when, when Paul focuses on this, I think he is, when he talks about a sharing in the death of Christ, he's not just talking about a sharing in a physical death. Uh, what he's talking about is that we see the example of Christ, and he talked about this earlier in Philippians in chapter 2, where he talks about the example of Christ, the one who emptied himself, the self-giving God, who, who came and trusted uh, God the Father and obeyed God the Father for the benefits of other people. See, when Paul talks about sharing in the death of Christ, he's not just talking about um, our dying a physical death, but he is talking about this denying of ourselves that Jesus talked about. Uh, this idea that, that we are to be uh, self-giving, that we are to live for the benefit and for the sake of others um, in Christ. That we are to be a self giving as we trust and obey God, not just for our own benefits, but for the benefits of the whole world. And so Paul reminds the Philippians and reminds them that, that what he has been striving for is to know God and to know God's ways. And so when he talks about uh, perhaps he will attain the goal of the resurrection of the dead, he is not just talking uh, about rising after he himself dies. He's not talking about going to heaven after he dies. This would have been a foreign concept in the first century. The idea of rising and going to heaven, even for those who believed in the resurrection, um, of that being going to a place called heaven would have been a foreign concept to them. He is 
talking about living a resurrection life now. And I think in some regards, Paul sees what happened to him on the road to Damascus at this moment in which he died to these old ways in which he began to see his past in a different way because he had experienced Christ And he now was living into this resurrection life, this new life, and this new way of thinking that was being guided by Christ Himself as Paul sought to walk and to live in the ways of God. And so Paul goes on to say, I think just in case folks think, well, you know, yeah, Paul, you've already gotten there. He goes on to say, it is not that I have already reached this goal, or have already been perfected, but I pursue it so that I may grab hold of it because Christ grabbed hold of me for just this purpose. Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things that are behind me and I reach out for the things ahead of me, the goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. So all of us who are spiritually mature should think this way. And if anyone thinks differently, God will reveal it to him or her. Only let us live in a way that is consistent with whatever level of maturity that we have already reached. You see, as as Paul begins to conclude this message, he wants to emphasize that that he has not he doesn't feel like he's reached this goal and in fact i think if paul were honest he would tell us we never completely reach the goal because the goal is this intimate loving relationship with christ And I don't know about you, but if you're in such a relationship with someone else, you never feel like, well, I've arrived. You always want to grow in that love and that relationship of the people who are dear to you. You want to keep striving to live in communion with them. You want to keep striving uh, so that uh, the two of you mutually live together. Knowing each other's thoughts and ways. This is the desire that Paul had for himself. It's the desire that he calls the church for. He he indicates that the goal of the Christian life, the goal of the Christian life is not just about knowing Scripture. It's not even just about following the law. It's not about the rituals of baptism or attending church. It's not about uh, what we know, but it's about who we know. It's about who we trust and who we choose to follow. Paul is urging the church at Philippi, do not lose sight of what is most important. Times of trouble and turmoil will come, certainly. But the focus of life of all of life, regardless of the circumstances. And Paul, who sits in prison, knows this more than anybody else. Paul, who sits in prison, having his freedoms restricted, knows better than anyone else 
The goal of life is to live in communion with God in the here and now. I think part of why Paul says he forgets the past, it's not that he doesn't know what happened in the past because he recounts often this story of what happened to him on the road to Damascus. It's simply that Paul says that what has happened in the past is in the past. I don't need to worry about changing or keep looking back at what's behind me. It's like if you're a runner and you're running a race. If you start looking back, the people behind you know that it's just a matter of time before they catch up with you because you're more focused on what's behind you than what is in front of you. And Paul says he's not worried about what's in his past. He, is, he knows he has done his best in the past to live in communion with God. And what is important is that he keeps moving forward. That he keeps asking himself, what is it? What can I do as I continue this pursuit of being in communion with Christ? Am I moving toward this goal of living in perfect communion and harmony with Christ? Because he knows if that's what he's seeking and wanting in the future, that in the here and now, he has a much greater chance of living life in communion with Christ. Even in the midst of being in prison. And so he shares this with the church at Philippi, urging them to really think about what is it that you are striving for? What is it that you long for? Are you longing for those things that are so relevant here on the earth? Are you longing for riches? Are you longing for status? Are you longing for position or for power? Or are you longing to live in intimate relationship and communion with Christ. Is that your ultimate goal? Are you willing to participate in the death of Christ in which we give of ourselves, in which we trust and obey God for the sake of the world. Are we striving to live in complete and perfect communion and harmony with Christ Jesus? I hope that as we wrap up this year and as we move into Advent, we begin to ask ourselves, am I striving for the ultimate goal? Or am I settling for second best? Amen. Gracious God, we thank you for this word and for your presence this day. In Christ's name, amen. And now I want to invite you as we, uh, this would uh, normally be where we have offering. And um, so I want to encourage uh, folks who are here and folks who are online to continue um, to respond to God, uh, certainly with our whole selves, but also to continue to respond to God with your faithfulness in ministry and in giving. And I thought I would read this thank you note that we got from the village. Um, 
Morgan, this is actually uh, titled to you, Morgan Scott, who leads our outreach team. I will just say that Morgan Scott and our outreach team and our kids' ministry uh, and all of those who have participated in things for the village, you all rock. Do you know that? I, I mean, seriously. And, and uh, this, this message from uh, the village says it all. It says, thank you again for our cards, our turkeys, and our communion. The residents always enjoy opening their cards and putting them um, on their, um, up in their rooms or hanging them on their door. Uh, they, thought the turkeys were a, they thought the turkeys were awesome. They couldn't believe that the kids knew how to make them. And they looked so complicated, but they loved them. And communion, communion. Well, it touched their souls. It touched their souls, their very hearts. And the person from the village who had the responsibility of taking the elements that had been blessed, she said, it was I who was the fortunate one to see how much partaking in communion being reminded that despite the fact that they are in isolation, they are a part of the body of Christ. It meant so much to each one of them. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the loving way that you love us. Folks, ministry continues despite the fact that we do it in many different ways ways. When we keep our focus on Christ, when we keep our focus on living in communion with Christ, we discover the things that God is calling us to do that truly make a difference in the lives of other people. Thank you for your participation in that, and I hope that you will continue uh, to participate in that through your, your tithes, your offering, your offering of time, and your wallets, and your offering of your love and your prayers. May you know that you are making a difference in the lives of other people. And so let us join our voices together as we sing, Send Me Out, right? Actually, we oh. have made a change. You're going to make a change. Who you say I am. Okay, that'll work. Join us.
you for changing that song. As I listened to that song, I couldn't help but, re- but be reminded, you know, living, at communion, living in communion with Christ is not always about what we do for Christ. Hear that? Living in communion with Christ means that sometimes we're like the little grandson that I held last week. God just scoops us up and he holds us close and he says, it's going to be okay. Because I'm here with you. It's going to be okay. It's not always about doing. Sometimes it's simply letting, Christ, or letting God delight in our closeness and our presence to Him. Amen. Go forth. Go forth seeking to live in that perfect communion with God. Who knows when it's time to scoop us up and hold us tight. And he knows when it's time to kick us in the seat of the pants and tell us to get going. But he's always there with us. And is is with us in this moment. And will be with us throughout this coming week. Go. Seeking to live in communion with Christ each and every moment. Amen. Amen.